Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's Tuesday, 27th of August. I'm Andy Brassel. She's Jules Breach, and this is Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. There are loads of people going through this on Twitter. It's not exclusive to me. And it's just, you kind of just have to go suck it up and deal with it or come off social media. He is entertaining you. So focus on that. Judge him on his ability of the game, not on what, how he looks like. Because when he celebrates, if he scores an incredible goal for England, the whole country will be celebrating. This weekend, there's been a, a lot of talk about the role of social media in football, football watching and, and how it surrounds it, um, mainly because of some really just abhorrent stuff directed to to some players. And, um, you know, we've been talking over the last week, particularly about two Manchester United players, um, Paul Pogba and Marcus Rashford after missing penalties and some of the stuff that, they've had to put up with. You've had Phil Neville, of course, the, the, the manager of the Lionesses, saying that um, maybe football and social media should at least go on a break, if if not divorce. Um, I'm not sure if I think that's the solution to it. In fact, I'm sure I think that's not the so- solution to it. But clearly, uh, football has an issue, doesn't it, with with racist and and sexist abuse. Not just on social media, that's a place where it's amplified. Um, It's something we've seen a slight rise of in stadiums as well, which is a a real concern. 
what do you think can be done about it? I'm hitting you with a big question early on. Andy, you make a really good point there, is this isn't just happening on social media. This is a wider social issue that has to be addressed. And it's such a shame that we have to speak about this on this podcast, that we have to speak about this so often now, but it's so important that we do because something needs to change. I agree with you. I think football is coming off social media isn't the answer. I can understand why Phil Neville suggested that because everyone wants to help in some way and make suggestions and, mm. and, and maybe boycotting for a time period seemed like it could work. But I personally don't think that is the answer. I think that more needs to be done by the social platforms themselves. They need to have stricter yeah. rules. They maybe need you need to maybe be identified by your account because right now any one of us can have as many Twitter or Instagram accounts as we want and all it takes to have an account is an email address. And I can't remember the last time I made a new email address. It's been a several few years now, but it doesn't take long, does it, Andy? It's what, two, three minutes of your life and you don't have to put any personal information down and there you go. You've got an email address. Mm. That means you can have a social media account and it should. there should be more policing on it in order to stop this because I think if you are going to be connected to that account and the police can find out who you are then I think that should hopefully stop this or at least lessen the amount that we're hearing this happen yeah I think that's absolutely right and um, I I mean I I suppose the thing is a lot of people believe and I'm one of these people that um, the environment in in our country is is such at the moment that people with abhorrent opinions do feel a bit more emboldened to to say them out loud, which is is, is something that's 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 not great. I think um, we're in a, in a place where we're sort of people aren't particularly tolerant of each other's opinions and differences at the moment. You know, there seems uh, less dialogue and more anger. Uh, for a lot of reasons in a, in, in a lot of different places. Um, but it does seem to go back to the same sort of places, um, especially when it comes to to, to racism and, and, and sexism. And, you know, this is something that, you know, I always think, like, it, it's something that young black footballers especially have to have to deal with. Um, you know, the perceptions, and we're, we're not talking just about the worst insults I think that they receive, and as Pogba and Rashford have received after um, like missing a penalty or making a mistake in a game, or Manchester United have lost, or or, or, or whatever. But in fact, every aspect of their behaviour they have to justify differently to their to their white counterparts. That is that is something that is is a sad reality. So you know, if Aaron Ramsey dyes his hair, it's like two seconds worth of comment if Paul Pogba dyes his hair it's well can't he concentrate on football you know is he trying his best it's a totally different discussion which is what I find quite sinister yeah it's odd isn't it and I think that it it's um now that obviously we're talking about this more and more often because unfortunately there is more and more racist and sexist abuse on these social platforms it's it's come to the fore more so because they're high-profile names, isn't it? Mm. Because it's the likes of Paul Pogba and Tammy Abraham and these are Premier League footballers that 
more is now, well, hopefully more will now be done. It's a bit, I do think it's a bit of a shame that it's taken it to get this far because we've known for such a long time now that, you know, there is so much racist and sexist abuse on social media and nothing has been done yet. And I don't know what they're waiting for. Does there need to be even more of this public pressure on these platforms? Does the government need to get involved? I'm not sure what it's going to take for something more to be done. You know, Twitter is saying that they're going to start um, analysing the top 50 footballers. Is that what they said? That to me is, that is, is ridiculous. Um, I mean, the, the thing is, we know that it's not enough. Twitter is very, very bad at policing this sort of stuff. And we're not talking just about footballers. We're not just talking about public figures, but we're talking more widely, I think, about racism and sexism. If they're not going to do something, they need to be made to do it. And I can understand why footballers are cynical about getting involved in, in, in something like this because most footballers who, who are being asked to get involved in this and some, someone like, say, Raheem Sterling, who's got strong control of his public image and is very smart and I, I think is, conducts himself brilliantly in, in these sort of situations, he knows that there's a world of difference between looking like you're doing the right thing, being seen to do the right thing and actually doing the right thing, which is not quick is not something that's you know can be done with a, a a big explosion of you know this is what we're doing and this is going to fix all of it. It's gradual. Mm-hmm. It takes time and it's 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 really difficult. Um, it's but, also but, not easy um, because these are young men. We're talking about young it's a lot guys. of responsibility. It's a isn't lot it? of responsibility. They're carrying the weight of years and years of this happening and now mm. wanting to see change and. That is a huge responsibility and and there is so much credit to be given to the likes of Raheem Sterling and the other footballers who have stood up, especially for me from a female perspective, when I see the likes of Alex Scott and um, Rachel Brown Finnis and Karen Carney standing up to people who have bullied them on social platforms. For me as another female in the industry, seeing that gives me a bit of hope as well that, that that hopefully something will change with this and that things can be done. But it it's a lot of responsibility, as you say, Andy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Mario Balotelli has, has, has been through all of that since he was a teenager in, in, in Italy. And for, for him, it's not just social media. It's something he's had to put up with in person, in stadiums for very many years now. And, you know, he has been kind of made a, a, a figurehead really he's had no choice in the, in, in the matter and you know he's I think he found it very difficult to get his head around especially at first because he in many ways is a very or was a very typical Italian teenager as, as one journalist once put it to me once he signed his first contract at Inter he just wanted to spend his money on computer games loud trainers and buying pizza so he could like <laughs> hang out with his mates awesome and, and so to be put in a situation where you're expected to be some sort of leader for social change is too much. Is that is too much? Um, what about from from your perspective? Because, I mean, you must you're active on social media, both on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Insert address there if you want. People to give you a follow. But I, I mean, the, the difference when someone's responding to you if they disagree with you like a point of view that you've made and 
you know, mainly about their football team, let's be honest. Cause That's all I of, talk about, to be honest, of, Andy, on yeah, social media. But a, a lot of people get really unreasonably upset when their team is criticised or they perceive their team to be criticised and by extension themselves. Or if you've made a mistake on live tele- television and let's be fair the only sort of people who haven't made a mistake on live television are the people who haven't been on live television <laughs> um the nature of the, the sort of negative feedback and the nature of the expression of the negative feedback is very very different for a male face on television and for a female face on television i can definitely say that's true i've been very fortunate though that in the three, four years that I've been working kind of in mainstream football and have sort of my social media profile has grown in that time. I've been very fortunate that I haven't had a great deal of negative abuse. Um, Fortunately for myself, the people who I tend to engage with on social media are all pretty nice as a whole. However, there is a minority, in, in my case, a minority of, of people who haven't been quite so nice. There's also comments that I've seen that I've not been tagged in, but I might be in a video that's been posted by one of the companies I work for. And obviously you want to see what people are saying about the subject, sure. for example. So you read the comments because it's interesting. Football's a debate. Football's about opinions. And I want to mm. see what other people think. So I read them and then you don't expect to see comments about yourself when it's really not about you. Because as a presenter as a journalist you're there to ask the questions you're not there to have opinions so for someone to then comment on me just being there mm. for me is the most ridiculous thing and and the comments I've been fortunate that they haven't actually been about my race and um, that might be because people probably haven't got a clue where I'm from because I'm mm. so mixed so but they probably wouldn't know what to say um but they do comment on the fact that I'm a girl working in football and I have had quite a bit of negativity in that sense. Um, you know, just the the standard ignorant comments, get back in the kitchen, you don't know what you're talking about, all that kind of stuff. And I think that the at first, three, four years ago, those comments did actually hurt me quite a bit and they upset me because yeah. I kind of felt like, well, what have I said there that's actually wrong? I haven't yeah. said anything that's wrong there. I haven't said anything that my male colleague wouldn't have said. But that's so. that's the thing, isn't it? The the focus of the criticism is not on your work. It's not actually even on your opinion. It's on your very right to be there, isn't it? Exactly. And I think that because of that, over the years, I've just kind of developed a bit more of a thick skin when it comes to seeing those negative comments. And I don't, I don't see them often because I don't mm. really look for what people are saying all the time. And that's a shame because really I'm on social media because I want to talk to people. I want yeah. to engage with um, people about their opinions with with regards to their football team or what they've had for dinner or whatever it is that I might have posted about. You know, like those are the conversations you want to be having. That's what social media is for. It's meant to be fun. Um, and I think it's a shame that at times I withdraw from that because... I am a bit worried about what I might see or there might be a you bit of You have to negative. protect yourself you have, a little bit. Yeah, you do. But I have got thick skin to it and I don't, I try not to let it upset me. But the most prominent, the kind of, for me, the one that stood out the most was a couple of years ago at BT Sport on Score. 
it's quite a funny moment, really. And I, I didn't mind it at all because I, because everyone, as you said, Andy, a minute ago, everyone makes mistakes on live TV. Um, on BT Sports Score, we have in front of us all the TV screens that have the live matches at three o'clock. And on our bottom screens, we have replays. Now, it had just gone half time and they were running through a few replays of some of the first half goals. And I was just in my own little world. I have no idea what I was thinking about. I was probably thinking, when's the break? I need to go to the loo quickly or something. And uh, I clearly wasn't concentrating for a split second. And I saw Glenn Murray's goal for Brighton again. And naturally, I celebrated because I thought, oh, my God, we're 2 nil up. Brilliant. <laughs> It was only 1-0. Uh, In fairness, all his goals do look the same. Yeah, true. And everyone on the sofa just started like cracking up. They were all pissing themselves. They were like, Jules, it's a replay. And I was like, oh my God, what an idiot. You absolute pillock. So uh, in the end... They, you know, they clipped it and put it on social because it was just a really genuinely funny moment. And yeah. I was happy with it. It was, you know, I'm, I don't take myself too seriously, as you know. Like, I like to have a laugh and I thought it was funny. And the next thing you know, you start seeing the comments roll in. Mm. And a lot of people would just thought it was funny and were like, oh, yeah, like, blah, 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 you know, having a bit of a laugh with it. But then the odd comments were oh, stupid girl. This is why girls shouldn't be on TV watching football idiot obviously it's half time obviously it's a replay and it's like come on like other pundits that have been on that sofa have done exactly the same thing my yeah. male co-host has done exactly the same thing before and he doesn't get that criticism so why is it that the minute a girl does it it's like you don't know what you're talking about you oh you stupid idiot you didn't know it was half time it's just those kind of comments are really unnecessary and well, yes just like during the women's world cup actually the thing that i found really curious is a lot of people really got into it. And, you know, some people, uh, you know, they and their, their wives and their female friends and their daughters were inspired by it. Some people just enjoyed watching it because it's just football and we all just love to watch football. But the people who weren't into it weren't just not into it, but they felt the need to say on social media, this is terrible, it's an agenda, why is it being pushed upon? It's not being pushed upon us. Watch what you want. Watch, watch what you want. Go and watch EastEnders if you want. But the people who, there was, there was someone who was, uh, uh, in fact, I, I suspect more than one person, who was clipping up mistakes like, say, I, I don't know, uh, a France Bad player or a US paper, things, uh -huh, yeah. taking a foul throw yeah. and going, oh, cancel women's football or whatever. <laughs> You're thinking, hang on. I can't remember the last time I saw someone take a legitimate throw in men's football. I mean, that is the sort of level of a uh, sort of hatred in some cases that we're talking about, isn't it? It's just ignorance, isn't it? It's just people want to... The, the thing that baffles me the most about it, though, Andy, is that the people that choose to write these comments... I don't understand what goes through their mind and their brain and that process of... I think this and I'm also going to publicly write it and I actually don't care if what I'm saying is wrong and that I'm going to probably be hounded by quite a lot of other people who know it's wrong. I don't know what that process between thinking it and then deciding to put it out publicly is. There's, there's no filter between none. like brain and screen. No, because I know when I'm posting on my social media page, because they're public pages and because yeah. my accounts are professional, I use them for work. Yeah. I know that when I'm posting something, I have to make sure that it's in line with the people I work for and that everything I say 
is going to actually be if my if my bosses or my employers saw that they'd be okay with it. I can't you can't just post things willy-nilly and expect to get away with it. So I don't get how even if you what you it is your private profile, you're still publicly putting an opinion yeah. out there and if you're going to be racist or sexist or abusive in any way or discriminate discriminatory of is that a word discriminatory yeah, it is, yeah. discriminatory it sounds weird um if you're going to be like that on social media what where is that filter and why don't you have one yeah i don't i cannot understand it it, it, it is extraordinary i, I suppose the, the only thing we can say is social media is still quite new i think people are, are still getting their heads around presenting themselves and you, you're right i mean even if you do have really abhorrent views why would you see fit to share them on a on on a, on a public forum? The way I see it, Andy, is if you had an opinion and it was a terrible opinion, you probably wouldn't say it in front of someone like your nan. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So why would you then publicly put it on social media? It's like you choose who you say you're... People that have horrible opinions about things, they can have those yeah. horrible opinions if they want. I mean, I, I don't, but if they want to have those opinions, have them with their their small group of mates who may have the same opinion yeah. and share it with them. They probably wouldn't go to their parents or to their nan and say the same thing in front of them, would they? Yeah. So why are they then okay to put that on social media? Yeah, that's that's true. I, I, yeah, just social media is new and people are still understanding that that's what it means. I, I mean, it's, it's interesting. If, if we go wider on the use of social media in football, um, some... Players and clubs use it very well and very skillfully. And, um, you know, we can talk about, um, I know uh, Charlie, who looks after our social media, is very fond of a lot of the Bundesliga accounts uh, in English. They do a really great job. I think we say the same for Zenit St. Petersburg. The Roma account's absolutely fantastic. I mean, they did that thing this summer where every time they signed a new player, they did a sort of split picture with that player and a missing young person in an effort to find some of those person. Phenomenal. People. And in fact, I think the one they did twinned with um, Mert Jetin, the Turkish defender, that person was actually found. That's as, incredible. As well, which is, which is an extraordinary thing to do. And, you know, they've, they've, they've got such a light touch. They can joke without, well, you're always going to offend someone, but, <laughs> but you know, they can, they can, they can joke without being mean and, and offensive. And yet there are some other clubs that get it, totally wrong we had uh, Barcelona having to take back that that uh, tweet they did of uh, Junior Firpo that's just signed from Betis sort of poking poking fun at Betis this weekend and they had to apologise for that Um, what about the Koscielny move taking off the Arsenal shirt that was that was terrible a bit bad taste wasn't it I mean part of me thinks as he's got a lot of criticism for that over here I think people in France are really not that bothered but I mean part of me says well He's a footballer approaching his mid thirties. He should know better. He should be able to to say no. But yeah, it was it was it was a, a poor idea. So clubs have got some work to do as well in in, in this area, haven't they? Everyone thinks normally you're going to get just you know being called certain words, derogatory mm. words that would equal racism, but people slide it in different ways. They go, oh, who's this gangster talking? Or yeah. who's this person? Who do you think you are? Who's this Ali G? Like, people come with crazy so things. So the racial like, connotations are basically clear, but they're not overtly saying Yeah, racist so things, they yeah. think they're being clever in the way they're doing it, but you just, you can just see right through it. Hey, 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. It's Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. Get your emails into us, Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com. Uh, let's discuss Wolves, Andy, because what a year they've had. Promotion to mm. the Premier League. They qualified for Europe. Last week, winning in Turin. The dream continues, really, for them potentially finishing in the top six. I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily their aim this year, but I think that they are so worth a discussion because... What an amazing season they had last year. And now coming into this, they have had a lot of matches to be played and they're yet to lose in the Premier League. Yeah, they've really had to dig in and they've done a really tremendous job. And I think when you look at how small the squad is, it's it's quite surprising when you actually look down the list because you think, oh, well, Wolves have got money. They've made high-profile signings in, 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 in recent years. But it's actually quite a tight little squad. It's almost as if Nuno's tapped into the, the, the Pep Guardiola philosophy that, that, that he had at Barcelona where he wanted to go with quite a small squad. And when Manchester City were initially trying to woo uh, Guardiola, is woo the right word? Yeah, woo. It, 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 definitely, <laughs> it definitely is if, it, if it's in the 80s and it's a tabloid <laughs> anyway. But they were getting around to chopping down their squad to say, look, we're 
preparing the ground for you, especially after Cheeky Bergesterine came in. Um, but you know the, the the quality that's there is 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 absolutely clear, and you know Wolves have been ahead of the game ever since they they came up really because because they were the best championship team in recent memory. They didn't have to make wholesale changes like uh, Fulham last year, like um, Aston Villa have had to do to a certain extent this year. And, you know, even though they won on on Friday, we'll we'll see how it all shakes out a few months further down the line. So they've been able to go at their own pace, really, and add quality pieces here and there. But you have to say, the way that they have dealt with this opening part of the season, I mean, I do think because they're better equipped... And because they've got better experience, like comparing them with Burnley is a bit of a false comparison because Burnley didn't have that same European um, experience in their ranks. You know, you look at Mourinho, uh, Rui Patricio, um, Raul Jimenez, uh, Ruben Neves, players like that. You know, it does make it a little bit easier. Having said that, when we're talking about Nuno running with quite a small squad, I mean, the biggest feature of of Wolves. I mean, you know when teams get promoted to the Premier League and maybe if you're someone who, like me, doesn't get the chance to watch the Championship that much, it takes you a, a few weeks or a few months to, to get to get, know that get, team. Get to know that team. It was really quick getting to know the Wolves team because they picked the same team every single week, <laughs> didn't they? Whereas this season, that's not possible. And for them, that is that is the major adjustment, isn't it? It is. And I was... I was one of the people coming into this season who was quite sceptical about how well Wolves would do. We've talked about it a couple of times, Andy, haven't we, about who we think could be that team to break into the top six this year, if anyone. And The, I, the one thing that's like altered what I think about that is, is the way that Leicester have played in the opening weeks of the season. They've, uh, they've been, been so impressive. They have. And I think my, my reason for, for being sceptical is because of how Europe affected Burnley and I know you've already said you know you can't really compare it's not the same thing I agree with you but they've played eight competitive matches already Mm. and we're three weeks into the season that's five more than any other team have played barring obviously Liverpool Chelsea with the Super Cup and Community Shield if you want to count those but eight competitive matches is a lot of football it's a lot of minutes for these Mm. players to play with And, and when you look at their schedule obviously Europa League means playing on Thursday nights and then means your Premier League game is likely to be moved to either a Sunday or a Monday. Mm. There's not a great deal of recovery time in between those. And when you compare that, I think that at the moment, they've, it's not affected them, maybe. I don't I don't really know because they've, you know, three draws, isn't it, that they've had so far. I mean, they're a bit flat against against Burnley. But what impressed me so much was the way they came on strong in the last 20 minutes to get that point. You were saying that, but I think... I do agree with you. There is there is something to commend with that. Of course there is. When you can get a, rescue a point in the final minute of any game, of course that should be commended, no matter how that goal has come about. And Burnley are tough as old boots and Burnley keep going. Burnley are tough. They are tough. Yeah. And they should have had more than one goal for sure. Yeah, they should. Um, yeah. They're a little bit wasteful. But... I do think they were maybe slightly fortunate with the penalty just based on what we saw in the other matches at the weekend where penalties weren't given for other challenges in the box. And I think that that one, that one for me was borderline soft. I think it was a pen 
But if I was a ref, I would probably give three or four penalties a game. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, you know, anyone... Sign him up. Yeah. Anyone... It's great for our fantasy team. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's good if you're Luka Milovic anyway, isn't it? But yeah, I, I mean, we won't really know the answer to this question about Wolves until it gets to November, December. And, and they've got a few more miles on the clock. Sure. But what I would say from their perspective is reason for optimism is players like... Uh, who they have brought in, like Jesus Bayejo, um, Patrick Cutrone, those players I reckon will come into their own once they've settled in England and once we get to October, November time. And that's what Nuno and th- the board are surely relying on. I mean, they've gone for quality, not quantity, haven't they? And the other thing that they, they can rely on is the fact that because they haven't got that big squad, Everyone feels involved. Yeah. And that's really important. There's no one there picking up a load of money and not playing ever. You there, know, that, there, that's that's not an option for them, is it? There must be a really nice camaraderie in that group, mustn't there? Because everyone knows their job. Everyone knows probably when they're going to play, what matches they're going to play and what matches they're going to be left out for. Yeah. And I think that's a really good place to be. And, and actually, the reason why I think they should be commended for their start to the season, despite the fact that for me, I don't think I've seen them as good as we've, we saw them last season yet in the Premier League, mm. is they've played against Burnley, Manchester United and Leicester. Those are three difficult teams to play against and yeah. they've not lost. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's really impressive, you have to say. And if I was a Wolves fan, I would be delighted with the way the club's playing it because, at least in the medium term, they're not winning the Premier League. They're not getting in the top four with the way things are at the moment. So, what do you want to see? As a supporter you want the possibility of adventure and you want your team to give it the lot when it comes to, even though the players are probably a bit annoyed that they've had their holiday curtailed. <laughs> it feels a bit like a punishment when you come back and get ready for a game in, in, in late July, a competitive game in late July. But I, I can't think of anything that would be more annoying. Say, go back a couple of years when you're a Hull City fan or a West Ham fan and they've just gone in kind of half assed to the Europa League qualifiers and it's like come on man we don't like qualify every year let's give it a go Southampton they were, they were in the same boat if I was a fan of one of those clubs oh, clubs who don't qualify for days, Europe yeah. all the time and and then you know the the team look like they don't care less or, or the club even worse than the coaching staff look as if they don't care less like treat it as if it's an inconvenience as a supporter you live for those moments I mean I, I have a friend who pay 300 quid for a flight to go to Torino last week so he could go to, 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 to that game and see Wolves win out there. He's totally worth it. I bet that's, think, one of, that's one of the memories he will keep for such a long time. Exactly. And if you think, if you're, a, if, if you're a Wolves fan, if you go back to the genesis of the European Cup, now Champions League in, in the mid-50s, the precursor to that is Wolves being the unofficial champions of Europe by beating Honved in that friendly in the mud in, in, in Molyneux. You know, this is part of their identity. It's one of the reasons, I'm sure, that as a Wolves fan makes you proud to be a Wolves fan. That's stuff that we should care about. And if I was a fan and I could see that the players and Nuno and the coaching staff and the club to an extent are prepared to make sacrifices just so they can get there and create those memories for the fans, 
as well as for the players. That, that would make me feel really good. Yeah, Wolves fans, you're in a good place right now, I think. Gareth Southgate announces his squad on Thursday, guys. We know that for the upcoming Euro qualifiers. The question is, after what we've seen so far this season, should two players in particular, Mason Mount and Tammy Abrahams, be considered for a call-up? And should they be given their chance? I would say, yeah, they should be. If they're good enough, then they're in. We spent last week talking quite extensively about Chelsea and Frank Lampard and his young players that he's bringing through, Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, both had a great weekend again. What and an entertaining game that was. It, it really was. I was watching it out of the corner of my eye while I was... Were you meant to some, be doing something else? Well, I was kind of having some family time at the time. <laughs> the kids were watching it and my eye eyes were drawn to it for that reason uh, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid it was better than giving them money to play on the uh, on the video games um, but yeah it was a really great moment for Tammy Abraham who going back to the start of the show he's one of those players who unfortunately has recently suffered some of that online abuse and he's responded um, by getting about his game and and, and showing his, his talent. You could but, see what it meant to him as well when he celebrated, yeah. ran over to Frank Lampard and celebrated with him. It's so important for him to get off the mark, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we, we know there's talent there and uh, not just singing talent, by the way. <laughs> and, um, you know, he's just the tip of the iceberg. Him and Mason Mount, who's been brilliant in these first couple of weeks, just the, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to young British talent. Dan James, who got a lot of uh, talk on the on the on the ramble this week, scoring again. Um then you look you know, Marcus Rashford, Trent Alexander Arnold, that amazing free kick oh, from Harry Wilson. I, do you know what? There were some amazing goals this weekend, wasn't there? Harvey yeah. Barnes' goal was was phenomenal, but there was something about that Harry Wilson free kick. The way he took it, the way it came in off the post, the way it went in off the post, sorry, that was just Lovely, wasn't it? it I, I don't know why, but as that went in, I thought maybe it's because he's quite young, but I thought if that was scored for your school team, all the local schools in the area <laughs> would know about it. He would become famous. I loved the reaction from his teammates as well. They all just had their head in, like their hands at their head, just going, oh my God, you've actually just done that. Because I bet he does that in training. Well, you never normally celebrate a goal at that stage in a game. True. Do you? Yeah. That was just lovely, but, wasn't it? But Yeah, you had to. As you say, there is. what's really nice to see is that on Saturday at, at three o'clock when I'm getting all of the team sheets in and looking at who's starting, mm. there was just this really nice feeling of, wow, there is so much young British talent that are all being given an opportunity. And that's a really nice place to be in as an England fan because I'm thinking about you know, the Euros and the next World Cup and the future of our of English football. And Gareth Southgate is going to have a bit of a job on his hands now because he's, he's got a lot of young Premier League British or well, English talent that he can now go and watch, potentially select for the Euros next year and yeah, for I mean, these friendlies that are coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Absolutely. I mean... James Madison, at, at this point, I think he's more likely to make the Euro 2020 squad than than not, just because he looks 100%. absolutely fantastic. And he's he's someone who can open up a game in, in, a, in a way that few players can can do. He's really special. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, but it was, it was funny because I started my footballing weekend by watching um, Köln against Borussia Dortmund on Friday night. Um, Jaden Sancho's just signed a new contract there again. Again, looking... Absolutely brilliant. Um, his youngest 
player to score 15 Bundesliga goals ever. Um, if you go back to the start of last season, no player in Europe's top five league has created more goals than him. His stats are ridiculous, aren't they? They're, they're incredible. And bear in mind that this time last year, he wasn't a shoo-in for the 11. They were using him off the bench to use his pace and his trickery to, to, to finish games in the last 20 minutes. And he just refused to accept it and just bludgeoned his way into the team. Um, and, you know, you were talking about it before. Like Football fans love that, don't we? We, we love that, that sense of satisfaction of young players coming through and, and, and proving their worth. And I think with Jaden Sancho is, is particularly interesting. I've, I've always kept an eye on him because he's, well, he was born in the same hospital as my kids, actually. He's wow. just, just down the road from, from, from us. And he's someone who has just, he's, he's, he's worked really, really hard to, to get where he is. I mean, that's a given with all footballers. I think we don't realise that sometimes, that you need talent and an enormous amount of application to get there. But he's taken himself away from the obvious path. Like a lot of people, do you remember that press conference that Pep Guardiola gave at Manchester City when Jadon Sancho left for Dortmund? And I've never seen Guardiola like that. You could have knocked him down with a feather. He's like, well, I told him I wanted him in the team and he just said no and and, and just left. Clearly because he didn't believe he was going to get a regular game there. Well, he was right because he wouldn't have he wouldn't have got no, the opportunities. You're right. you're right. Absolutely. But to 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 go there and to work so hard to 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 adapt to the culture, um obviously he's had a very supportive family around him as well, which has has been enormous help. But to really become a star there. I mean, it's interesting. You've got that Amazon documentary on um, uh, Borussia Dortmund at the moment. They're very keen to put him front and centre in that. He is their superstar. You know, there's no doubt about that. But I kind of feel that compared to some of these young British players, he's kind of got an advantage because he's the first uh, player born in the year 2000 or later to play for the full England team. That's so weird, being born in the year 2000. I know you've got kids, so for you it's probably not as weird, but I still find it odd when you think, oh, you were born in the year 2000. I'm an '80s baby, so it's weird. No, no for me. I, I, I feel I find it's totally <laughs> weird as well. But uh, the, the the thing is, when he's gone off and played for England, I think if he say is playing for Manchester City, and he he plays for England, he comes back to the Premier League, and everyone is watching him like a hawk because he's just played for the England team, because he's a trailblazer for the for the England team in the 21st century. I think. Strangely enough, going back to Dortmund, the club that's you know under intense scrutiny in a different way, uh, that has eighty thousand fans in in their home games, that's followed all over the world, that plays Champions League, that's fighting for the Bundesliga, it's still a bit of peace and quiet for him because the England team well, it's is, away from is, the English is not media, their concern. Exactly, the England team is not their concern. He's kind of shielded from that spotlight. I think that's why he's stayed for a year extra because obviously he could have left if he really wanted to this summer. And I think Dortmund know they're not going to hold him forever. But I just wonder, when you get deeper into the season, hopefully Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, uh, Madison, all these players carry on doing well. But, I do wonder, especially for the ones at the very big clubs like Chelsea and Manchester United, is there an extra scrutiny? That's something else to cope with, which Jaden Sancho, he gets to play at an incredibly high level, but he's almost shielded from that. No, I completely agree with that. And I think that he made the best move for himself at that time. He was... 
he probably at the time felt he was being a bit selfish when he made that move. But ultimately, this will do him the world of good. I mean, we wouldn't be talking about him like we are now had he not made that move because he wouldn't be getting the minutes at Manchester City. Mm. And you, you look at players like Mason Mount, who Glenn Hoddle spoke of very highly this weekend after his performance um, against Norwich. And he said that Mason Mount's loan move to Derby last year, he left a boy and he came back a man. Mm. And it's so true. You can see the way that um, he's adapted to the Premier League. He's taken it on like it's no issue at all. He's just, I mean, obviously he's got the benefit that he's worked under Frank Lampard for a full season. So they know each other very well. And Lampard obviously puts a lot of trust and a lot of faith in him, which is exactly what you want as a player, especially a young player that you're going to be given those opportunities. And um, yeah, I just think, I think it's it's really interesting kind of space right now in the Premier League with the young British talent being given opportunities, because I wonder whether Jadon Sancho's move abroad and seeing how well he's done has put a bit more pressure on these Premier League managers to perhaps yeah. give the youngsters an opportunity. No, they don't want to lose them. Of course they don't. They're brilliant players. But maybe seeing a star like Sancho go abroad and, and do so well out there and be such a success has perhaps put a bit of pressure on these Premier League clubs and the Premier League managers to give them a bit more of a go so that they don't move on. So you don't lose the next Jaden Sancho. This was a Stakhanov production. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options. In stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money.